G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we're focusing on one question. What is it that makes a startup successful? Is it a great idea? Is it a great team? Is it great customers or something else altogether? This is an important question for all startups, a fundamental question. And on this series, we're looking for answers. We're talking to people who have been successful and asking them how it happened. We're talking to startups on the road to success and asking them how they plan to get there. And we're looking at all the details that lead to success. Money, that's a big detail. Getting it, holding on to it, spending it wisely. And at the end of Australia's financial year, we're exploring the secrets of startup financial success on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by user testing. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com slash twista for a free trial. Twista is also sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com slash Twista to check it out. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups, where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundations for a successful career. To learn more about the UTS Startups program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. One of the most important factors in a startup success is probably the least loved, accounting. It's the business end of the business. It's doing your sums. And no, it is not sexy. And no, it doesn't get you mentioned in the tech press, except maybe on this podcast, because startups are businesses they don't get to operate by different rules than any other business. Money comes in often from investors. It goes out again. And tracking that cash flow, it might seem trivial in the grand scheme of making a dent in the universe. But if you don't get that right, you don't even get to make a scratch. And as it's the end of the financial year here in Australia, and most businesses are closing one set of books and opening on to another, we reckoned it was exactly the right moment to have a wee chat about startups and money and tax. So we've invited some experts onto this episode to share with us what startups can do to manage their money better to their success. 
Damian Smith is CEO of Swanson Reed Australia and an expert in all things startup tax. Welcome to Twisted, Damian. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having us on. And joining Damian is Alex Chisholm, an analyst at Swanson Reed. Welcome, Alex. Thanks, Mark, for having us as well. All right, gentlemen, let's start with the basics. It is the end of a financial year. It's the start of a new financial year. What are the most important things a startup needs to do right now to prepare for that? Well, Mark, look, many of the things um, you hear accounts going on about this time of year, like super and simple touch payroll and documentation, they're important. And uh, given a focus on business compliance, they're becoming more important. Um, And over the next week before 30 June, uh, businesses should be doing a stock take of all uh, those mundane things to make sure they are in order. Um, There's also been some opportunities arise with COVID stimulus measures, um, such as uh, uh, employment incentives and temporary full expensing. Um, These measures may have most impact on companies that are are actually paying taxes. They're often a write-off against assessable income um, and may be of lower importance to startups. But nonetheless, uh, you should always look into what is available. But probably the, the, the most relevant thing for startups is to uh, take stock of uh, what their plans are for the next year, particularly around cash. Um, they'll need to do a frank assessment of what their um, projected cash inflows are and what they're expecting to expend over the next um, 12 months and then, and then take necessary planning steps now to make sure that their cash position uh, can withstand any any shocks or changes. And goodness knows the world we're in now is all shocks and all changes. Indeed. All right, let's dive into this this big but very murky issue of the R and D tax credit. First, can you explain to us what it is and how it works? Look, many listeners are probably familiar with the R and D incentive, and there's been an R and D incentive of some form in Australia since the eighties. Um, it's the go- it's the government's primary incentive tool for encouraging business investment in R and D. Um, most countries have an R and D incentive of some form to attract investment, and Australia's system uh, compares pretty favourably for startups in that it offers a cash refund of uh, R and D expenses whilst they're in tax loss and and may not have any income to offset their expenses against. Uh, and the R&D system really is a, a capital lifeblood and a crucial tool for many startups and early stage companies. Um, whilst they are uh, pre-tax um, payable, so whilst they've got surplus losses, uh, they can use it to uh, attain a 43.5% refundable offset for their eligible project costs, right? So um, the cost of the program uh, in aggregate across the country um is around $3 billion annually. That's about 15,000 uh, companies that do make um, uh, uh, use of the program, and they range from micro companies to very large companies. Um, and given that cost, there are um, understandably uh, government uh, regulation in place uh, to provide some integrity assurance over the program. Um, there's two government agencies that duly administer it, so Oz Industry. Uh, uh, their role is to register and assess whether activities uh, are indeed um, in accordance with the, the set criteria, which we'll discuss a bit in, in a little while. And then the ATO uh, administer the receipt of R&D offsets and review uh, the quantum of expenditure um, uh, that the company registers. 
Now, there's been some positive developments um, in the program recently, and you mentioned that it has been somewhat murky, and, and you would have heard in the media that there's been, um, uh, I guess, some uh, uh, adverse assessed claims and disputes over eligibility between companies and regulators. Um, now, that has uh, somewhat eased a little bit from, from a period that many refer to as the crackdown, um, and the depths of that was would have been around 2017 to 2019. So eligibility and documentation is still very important, um, but uh, there has been um, some positive changes with respect to compliance processes. So um, whilst only uh, genuine um, companies conducting R&D should make use of the program, you need not be scared if you are doing eligible R&D. And if, and if you are um, uh, willing to put in the, the, the uh, investment in documenting your projects, you, you, there's a um, potentially generous uh, incentive there. Um, to so, so what kinds of documentation are we talking about then when we talk about this? What kinds of documentation does a startup need to be thinking of? Yeah, no, no worries, Mark. So um, there, there are quite a... Um, I guess there are a range of documents that that you may think you should shouldn't keep. Um, so really, the, the the documentation should focus on uh, records of of the specific idea that you're testing. So um, whether that be uh, you know uh, records of of patent searches or Google searches for products that that may exist or may not exist um, in your field. Uh, the, the documentation also needs to, uh, you know, reference how new technical knowledge is being generated on a global industry level. So I guess the patent searches may sort of uh, cover that off. Um, you also need to uh, ensure that the documentation uh, covers off the, the fact that there is an unknown outcome uh, given, I guess, not only your own experience as, as, a, as a developer within the startup or also that a professional uh, within the industry is not able to know the outcome of the, the specific R&D activity in advance. So basically, you're, I guess in some sense, you're documenting the gamble that you're making that you can invent something new. Yeah, exactly right, Mark. Yeah, so you, you, you want to you document your story, I guess, of, of how the, the, the product has evolved or the, or the process that you might be developing. So uh, a really key part of the, the documentation is around the hypothesis, and uh, I guess that can be a bit of a scary term for, for some startups, but uh, it need not be. It, it, it needs to be, um, I guess, the specific idea that you're testing. So um, if you wanted, we can give you a couple of examples that comes from Oz Industries' own guidance. So uh, two that, that um, may be relevant would be if a two-to-one ratio of water and a particular chemical are mixed together, and applied to ground material, the chemical mixture will convert the contaminant into a liquid and strip it from the ground material, enabling it to be collected safely in a drainage system. Um, software, that's always a bit of a tricky one to document, um, and in particular with an idea that you're testing. But uh, Oz Industry have come up with a, a, another really good example um, around uh, compression algorithm version one will compress a 12 megapixel image without exceeding the limits of the low power processor. So um, again, you need to uh, keep documentation uh, around the uh, idea that you're testing. Um, you know, test records might also be another good example of, of documents that 
uh, you'd, you'd want to keep. Um, so I guess once you've defined those uh, hypotheses as well, um, you, you need to you, you need to ensure that your documentation aligns with that. That's that's the really key part of that. All right. So let's get a sense here in terms of the good and bad. What sorts of things would definitely be covered, and what sorts of things would definitely not be covered, and where, if there are any, are there gray areas here? Yeah. No problem, Mark. So again. Um, I guess uh, particularly relevant to, to startups is um, distinguishing the difference between innovation and experimental R&D. I guess that uh, can become the undoing um, for, for some businesses and, again, referencing, I guess, the, the murky nature. But, um, you know, for example, if a business has a, a clever commercial idea but it's not developing new knowledge from a scientific or, or, or technical point of view, it wouldn't uh, comply with the R&D criteria. Um, so this this is one of the key focuses um, currently of, of Oz Industry Assessors when they're doing a review, that they, they want to see that there is new technical knowledge being generated um, from the process. So um, I'm actually awesome. Alex, does that mean there's sort of a, a novelty test in there? Is that really what, similar to what we'd see with a patent? Not exactly the same, but similar to yeah, that? Yeah, that's probably a fair um, a fair point, uh, Mark. Yeah, there, there is a, um, I, I guess, yeah, they want to see that there is a novel element. So it, it can't be just plugging and playing something from a, another industry uh, or another application and, and applying it to your specific need or your specific product idea. So uh, and that, that uh, I guess, comes around that unknown outcome and, and the competent professional test is, is the, the terminology that, that's used uh, in, in this space. So, um, and, and I guess to, the, to that point as well, um, we, we did want to talk about software. Um, again, it is, it is a difficult one to, to document um, and, and work out what the, the, I guess, how the eligibility meets up. So, I guess a, a particular misconception that that has come about in the media over the past few years that that software isn't eligible, but that's not uh, true at all. Uh, Oz Industry does publish uh, a number of guidance materials as well to, uh, I guess, help uh, businesses understand how their software activities might fall within the scheme. Um, so uh, a, a key issue again is being able to describe how your software is generating new knowledge. It, it is, a, it is a, a bit of a challenge, but, um, you know, it, it needs to demonstrate that you're not just, again, plugging and playing existing software uh, solutions and, and adapting it to your particular novel business idea or, or marketplace. So um, you, you need to show that there is a bit of a, a leap forward in what you're developing. Um, and, and again, that novelty test, I guess, comes into play here. So um, the, the, the activity itself needs to tangibly explain uh, that there is a deficiency in the existing capability that, the, that you've identified, identified through your searches um, and, and how that capability uh, is a step forward from, from what exists. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back and we will go into the depths of the asset write-off. Twista is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product? 
developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign. User testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Chubbies, a men's casual apparel brand, gained valuable insights by asking some of their customers to explain why they love their chubby shorts when they wore them last, even asking for new product suggestions to guide their product roadmap. So put yourself in your customer's shoes with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. We're back talking all things end of financial year to Damian Smith and Alex Chisholm of Swanson Reed. Damian, the government has been very loud lately in promoting its instant asset write-off program. It's extended it. A recent article in Dynamic Business noted that most SMEs don't even know about it or really even what it is. Could you enlighten us? Well, Mark, there's been some incentives uh, for um, assets um, investments over the past um, uh, recent years. Now, they have been augmented and extended during COVID. So as part of the um, uh, the government um, COVID response, they um, uh, augmented the uh, investment incentives from the internet asset write-off to the temporary flex fencing. And these apply to larger businesses and a broader scope of businesses. So um, the intent of the provisions is to encourage businesses to um, purchase uh, capital assets and deduct them immediately against their uh, against their assessable income, whereas previously they would have had to have depreciated um, the assets over their effective life. Um, now, a critical thing to note for startups is, is these incentives um, can be very important, but sometimes they apply more to uh, mature or profit-generating businesses as, as um, startups may not necessarily uh, uh, be able to benefit in the in the medium to longer term or medium to shorter term uh, until such point as they're paying um, tax. Now, an exception to that is for um, assets that are purchased under the uh, uh, under the temporary full expensing that are used in an eligible R and D project. Now, previously, um, to uh, claim the the decline in value of an R and D asset, you would have had to have depreciated it over its effective life. Now, a change has been made as part of the um, COVID response, whereby um, if you can show that an asset was procured and used exclusively in an R&D project, the cost of that asset can be included in your notional deductions for R&D expenditure. So, so that's one instance where a uh, R&D entity could benefit from the um, uh, uh, temporary full expensing. So, for example, if I'm buying a fancy piece of test equipment because I'm designing a circuit to do something, right, and I need this piece of test equipment to prove that the circuit is doing what I'm hypothecating it can do and it's used for that purpose, then that can be under the R&D tax credit. Yes. So subject to um, claiming the the temporary full expensing and using it exclusively on the project, you can certainly include that in your eligible deductions for the year under that new change. All right. So does this mean that if your startup is now, if it is in profit, if it is going to be paying tax, 
because this is the the dividing line there. Does this mean all the startups should now be getting their credit cards out and buying the things that they might need next year to get the right down against this year's tax? <laughs> well, look, I've always been a big advocate for taking advantage of incentives and you should definitely be looking at everything available to you over the next couple of weeks. Now, startups will, though, need to balance um, between whether they really need that uh, and whether they're just expending funds for the hell of it. And as you said, most startups really do or don't have the capacity to, to do it. Um, but uh, look, where you can benefit from it over the, 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 the short to medium term, where you've got the capacity to expend the funds, um, uh, definitely the, you you would be uh, looking at that opportunity over the next couple of weeks. Because once that ticks over to July, um, you then have to wait an extra whole year before you can potentially benefit. So. But that the instant asset write-off has been has been extended all the way through the next fiscal year. Is that not true? Um, that is true. Now, uh, the asset has to be installed ready for use prior to the end of the year that you get the, the uh, tax benefit for it. So if you were looking to utilize that and 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 uh, looking to crystallize that tax benefit, the asset would need to be um, effectively procured and installed before 30 June. Otherwise, um, the derivation of that tax benefit would have to wait an additional 12 months. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what are some other things that startups now need to start to think about across this whole space of how they need to think about their accounting both this year and next year in order to keep them in, in a great cash position? Look, um, we probably would suggest mainly the R&D incentive, and, and that's going to be, um, for many of your startups, uh, that's that's uh, providing the bulk of, of their cash inflows for the year aside from their capital um, invest, uh, investment or capital raisings, right? So um, there's some fundamental issues with the R&D incentive, and, and, and many of these are deal breakers, so we wanted to make sure your listeners are across these. Um, we often come across startups conducting great projects but if they haven't got some fundamental issues sorted um, it can mean that none of their their activity qualifies for reimbursement or registration so um, first and, and most importantly is the legal business entity that a project's being conducted in uh, to for a business to register R&D you must be structured and operating through a company as opposed to a trust or a sole trader um, and if you're looking to commence a new project in the new financial year and uh, you're looking to make use of the R&D incentive, uh, a company structure really is the only option. And, and companies can often make you uh, more appealing to external investors as well, given that they're more uh, readily available uh, for the issuing of shares and things of that nature. Right. Um, second thing to consider is if, if you're looking at uh, where uh, to conduct a project or where which contractors to procure services from, um, expenditure on overseas activity is rarely eligible under Australia's incentive because the Australian government want to use the incentive to encourage you to, to uh, where possible, conduct your projects here. Um, and, and for that reason, it's it's prudent to assume that only class four activity conducted on the ground in Australia will qualify uh, under the R&D incentives. And you may consider this or may wish to consider this when you're looking at uh, whether to engage in Australian-based or overseas-based software development and, and factor that into your, your project costings. Right? Um, 
next, uh, in terms of um, time that, that a director may input into a project uh, that's to be registered as R&D, um, you'll only be able to include that the cost of that time as an R&D expense where uh, the director's remunerated via a wage or a contractor fee. And, and that remuneration must be uh, declared and physically paid out of the company's um, bank account. Now, in doing so, you'll need to consider the personal tax position and, and, uh, of the director and whether they might have an existing day job and be at a high tax bracket already. Um, and, and the director also would need to keep hours um, of their time being put into the project. Um, and, and that payment rule applies to any associate entity charges um, that, that might be from a related party company as well. They must be paid by 30 June. Um, now, the last pitfall we wanted to run through uh, in uh, uh, assessing R&D expenditure is that when you're compiling a claim, the regulators expect uh, that you've cut up a project like a pie and you've cut it into your core activities, your supporting activities and your ineligible activities, which we touched on a little earlier. Um, now, for most projects, the reg regulators will specifically seek to see uh, that you can show your quarantining uh, expenditure on non-R&D activities. And, and oftentimes that's a question that's asked during reviews. They'll, they'll be uh, uh, almost as interested in what you're not claiming as opposed to what you are, just to, to see that you're, I guess, not overstepping the mark and that you've got an understanding of the barriers. All right. Final question. We're talking about success as the big theme for Series 9. You have seen a lot of startups, Damien. What are the ways that the successful startups that you've seen managing their money, what are the things you've learned from them about how they think about their money and the cash flow and the way they deal with business and tax? Look, everyone's different and, and uh, not the same rules apply to everyone, but so some of the, uh, well, the, probably the three biggest tips we can apply from what we've seen is that firstly, you're going to stay lean and conserve your capital, right? Because if, if you run out of money that's, and, and you haven't got someone there to tip it in, it's game over, right? Your idea is not going to go any further. Um, secondly, you've got to get your product to market as soon as reasonably possible. Possible. Sometimes we see um, entrepreneurs that just uh, will be too gun shy to pull the trigger, and they'll be one of developing this thing forever without getting it to market. So you got to get it to market, take into account the feedback you get from the market, and then rapidly apply your product based on that feedback. Um, and then lastly, you've got to always plan, but you've got to prepare. Be prepared that plans almost always change in a moment's moment. So plan. Um, but be uh, readily available to adapt and change that plan. Brilliant. Damien, Alex, thank you so much for this wonderful advice about how we can think about money and tax in Startups in Australia on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you, Mark. Good luck, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. We'll be right back. Twista is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, publish content, promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. 
Don't take their word for it. Here's what the folks at Remote Demo Day have to say. Back in 2020, they decided to create Remote Demo Day for founders to pitch to thousands of angel investors live. They purchased the domain RemoteDemoDay.com and had the site up and running in minutes because Squarespace is so easy to use. Remote Demo Day has been a success so far, and Squarespace has played a huge part in that. From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the code twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com twista. I did go through a lot of debate before we decided to commit to doing a show basically around the end of financial year, around tax, around accounting, because these aren't particularly glamorous topics. Startup land is filled with, you know, getting investment and making the perfect pitch and going public and all of the shiny, attractive things that we set up, I guess, as the goal markers on the startup journey. But of course... The startup journey isn't really those markers. It's the daily grind of just doing business, cold calling potential customers, or fixing bugs and pushing a release out, of trying to staff up in the middle of a pandemic, whatever it might be. There's just a lot of nitty-gritty work. And of course, part of that nitty-gritty is about managing money. And a lot of people who enter startups haven't had a lot of professional training at that. I can tell you that that was absolutely true for me in all of the startups that I've done. The tools have gotten better for managing money, but I don't know that my internal sense grew correspondingly. It did a lot the last time around. And that's kind of what I want to tell you about because, you know, I did a manufacturing startup. We were making some very fancy lights and it became clear that the business was undercapitalized and we were going to have to liquidate the business. And there was this point at which it wasn't really clear whether there was enough money to have the company liquidate voluntarily or liquidate involuntarily because we were insolvent. And there was considerable pressure from the investors and the board to understand that. And I had a an understanding myself based on all of my paperwork that, in fact, I think we were going to be fine, and we'll come to that in a minute. But it was difficult to prove that because I didn't have the right paper trail to make that clear to everyone involved. And so while I could say it, it was difficult for them to believe me. And of course, they were already losing money, so they weren't particularly inclined to believe me. And so it was a very rough patch there. And, uh, you know, you can say that was an own goal because if I'd done it right all the way through, it would have been easier to show these points off. I simply didn't even know at the beginning that I was doing it incorrectly or that there was a right way or a wrong way to do this. And if I had it to do again, <laughs> clearly would start the right way from the beginning. And there's really good accounting software now, which can also do all of that for you when you're in a small startup. So... Some of that is around doing that. But when we actually got to the end and the business was being liquidated, 
It turns out that, in fact, I had done my sums correctly, even if I couldn't approve it, because the deficit that we had, which was a few tens of thousands of dollars, was, in fact, covered by an R&D tax credit, which we got back just in the nick of time to cover all of the outstanding debts of the business and, in fact, leave just enough money in the account for the liquidators to take as their fee. It's funny because their fee worked out to the exact penny of all of the assets that we had left during liquidation. I don't know how that happened, some form of financial magic, but it all just went away with a great big goose egg at the end. So we had a situation where, in fact, we were solvent, but I couldn't absolutely prove it until the tax bill came back in with a big refund. And I could say, look, we were always solvent. I knew we were always solvent. I'm sorry I couldn't prove that we were solvent. But as you can see, we're solvent. We're able to resolve the business successfully. And so you can see the two sides of this. One is that the R&D tax credit is really important to a startup because you don't have to be declaring profits. You don't have to be earning money to get that tax credit. So that can be absolutely vital to a business in its earliest stages. But at the same time, if I'd had a better handle on the exact financial status of the company all the way through, I would have been able to convince the investors that they weren't trading insolvently. And they would have been a little bit more relaxed even as we were all losing our money. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. Twista is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. There are so many functions in a startup, and each space has endless vendors. Sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce. It goes on and on, and eventually you end up with a Frankenstack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that let you build and scale your stack as you scale your business. For instance, their accounting products are perfect for anyone who is ready to upgrade from Excel or QuickBooks but doesn't want to break the bank with some of the more expensive options out there. It's simple and modular, so you use what you need and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Your first app is free forever, and right now Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's not a joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twista. Damien Smith is the first person in all of the people that we've talked to so far in Series 9 who really pointed to the fact that managing your cash is one of the most important elements in a startup's success. Yes, you have access to all of the great grants and the rebates and all of this that you can get from the government, but stage one is to manage your cash. If you don't manage your cash, you don't have a business. You will not be a success. So I think in terms of tips for success, although that sounds really basic, it's important to cover the basics well. Big thanks to Twisted Sponsors, User Testing, Squarespace, and Odoo. Thanks to Damian Smith and Alex Chisholm of Swanson Reed for taking the time to come on to our show. 
come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We're taking our mid-series break now. We'll be back in a month with the second half of Series 9 and even more great stories on the road to startup success. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.